Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Understand as we mature in the faith. And I want to talk with you this morning about the uh, blessing that no Christian wants. Uh, and that is persecution. You know, there's a great lie being perpetrated in many pulpits of the United States today, and I think that is part of the reason that we have not had revival in our land as we are seeing in nations around the world, uh, even in communist China. And that is a lie that if you become a follower of Jesus Christ, everything's going to be perfect. You're going to have good health, you're going to have no family problems, and you're going to have plenty of money. God's going to want to bless you, and He's going to give you all these material things. Uh, the only problem with that is that it doesn't line up with what Jesus taught. He taught us this in Luke 6. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and they revile you and cast out your name as evil. For the Son of Man's sake, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. That's the blessing that Jesus said comes upon those who love Him and trust Him and live according to His Word, and it is persecution. Uh, this week, Mikhail Gorbachev died. Some of you who are younger probably don't remember him. I remember him very well when he was in power back in, in the 80s and the early 90s. Uh, he came to power in Russia, and, and he had... Uh, different plans for that communist nation, and one of them was perestroika, and that was freedom. And what, what happened was the Soviet Union shrank, and they pulled back from a lot of the ter territories that were occupying, and one of those was the Ukraine. They had been in the Ukraine for, uh, ever since World War II. Uh, they had been taking all the resources they could out of that land, coal and natural gas, uh, but they pulled out. And I was blessed in, to have the opportunity to go there in 92, 94 uh, as a, an American pastor preaching in Ukrainian Baptist churches. I was in uh, Ukraine for 18 days that trip, preached four times a day, so, uh, never in the same place, twice. Now think about that for a minute. In fact, I was able to preach three times in high schools, which was uh, amazing. You can't do that here, but you could do that there. Uh, and we had a great time together, and, and at the end of that time, on a Sunday, uh, the, the brethren, we would call them deacons, the ordained men came to me and see, said, we have, have, have 27 people that want to be baptized, would you lead us in a baptismal service? And I said, well, I certainly would be blessed and honored to do that. And so we went out to a lake, a government-owned lake, and uh, we got ready for the baptism. And as we were preparing for the baptism, uh, over here in the corner was a family, a mother and a father and a couple of uh, uh, older girls and a young boy. 
and there was a great discussion going over on over in the corner. So I walked over, I motioned my interpreter to come on, and I went over and I said to Victor, who was a, a pastor there in Ukraine, I said, what's going on, Victor? He said, well, this mother, father, and these two daughters want to be baptized. And he said, we'd arrange for you to baptize them, but their son also wants to be baptized. And I said, well, what's the problem? He said, he is 12 years old. And I said, and, and how's that a problem? I don't understand. He said, well, he says he believes in Jesus Christ. He's confessed Jesus as the Lord, and he wants to be baptized with his, fam uh, with his family. But pastor here, we do not baptize people until they're 18. I said, well, now why, why is that? He said, because we want them to understand what it means to become a Christian. And I said, well, explain that to me. Victor, we've not talked about that. He said, well, when the Russians were here, they knew I was a Christian. He said, and I said, so you were in jail? He said, no. I said, so you were beaten? He said, no. I said, so you were persecuted? He said, yes. And it was, uh, he didn't know the English word. The English word we would have was subtle pressure. I said, he explained to me that where he worked, he made half wages of the man who worked on either side of him in that factory because he was a Christian. So while they made $3 an hour, he made $1.50 an hour. Everyone else there rode public transportation to work. Victor walked four miles in the hot summer, four miles in the cold winter one way, and then four miles home because they would not give him a card to ride on public transportation because he was a Christian. He had a medical card, but it was not for full medical care. It was only for disastrous med medical care. Uh, he couldn't go to the doctor if he had uh, probably COVID because he was a Christian and his medical card was different. Uh, the most subtlest thing of all that I found was he lived in an apartment on the third floor and he had to go to a friend of his on the fifth floor to use the bathroom because his bathroom had been inoperable for over a year and he couldn't get him to send the maintenance guy to fix it because he was a Christian, so he always fixed some other persons ahead of Victor. And he said, this is what we, what we have to deal with here, so we want them to know and understand. And I said, well, Victor, I hope that's changed now because the Russians are gone, and uh, I, I think this boy in America, we would baptize him. He said, then you baptize him. And so I had the privilege of baptizing that entire family of five. Uh, we need to understand if we're going to understand what Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are you when men hate you, when they, per when they say evil things against you, we need to understand that there is a real war going on. There's a spiritual war going on. It is uh, as real as this pulpit by which I, behind which I stand this morning. Ephesians 6, 11. <coughs> Here's what Paul says. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Paul says that we are involved in a great spiritual war. It is good versus evil. It is light versus dark. It is God versus Satan. And it is a war for the hearts and the eternal destiny of you and I, of all mankind. 
And what we need to understand is that, that this has always gone on. Ever since the devil fell, ever since he was uh, uh, cast down, it, it has been his plan to defeat God. And uh, he can't do that, but he tries. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, and that's a discussion for another day, uh, the writer of Hebrews gives that 11th chapter, which is a long chapter where he lists all the people who have put their faith and trust in, in God, who have believed and followed him. He speaks of Mo Abraham. He speaks of Moses. He comes down through that great list of faith of people who for, for uh, the ages have believed and trusted in God. And then he, he realizes that this is long, 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 long line. And so finally in the 32nd verse, he says, what more shall I say? For the time will fall, fall me, would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, because became valiant in battle, turned to fight their enemies. Women who received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had the trial of mockings and scourging, and yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Now here's what I want you to say. Here, of whom the world was not worthy. The world persecuted them. The world put them to death. All these terrible things that he talks about. These people who put their faith and trust in the one true God. And the writer of Hebrews says, and the world wasn't worthy that they should even be in the world and among the world. Uh, God's people have always faced a lost and dying sinful world that does not understand us at all. Uh, that in fact hates those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I read uh, somewhere, uh, I, I've got the sheet where I've had this for a long time in my desk and, I, and uh, I lost who wrote this, but he says, true believers have never been popular with the people of the world. Our righteousness intimidates them. Our boldness annoys them. Our refusal to participate in their sin infuriates them and our love of God mystifies them because they don't understand us, therefore they hate us. It is not new. It will not be over till Jesus comes again. Uh, uh, Jesus was in that battle. If you go to John 15, he talks about that as he's talking to his disciples in John 15, 18. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they also will persecute you. Jesus said, he didn't promise a rose garden. He said, if you follow me, the world that hates me will hate you. The world that persecutes me will persecute you. And for many Christians, the world that put him to death puts them to death. Uh, we are not exempt 
because we are a follower of Jesus Christ. It is what brings about the opportunity for the blessing because even Christ himself, <coughs> excuse me, faced it time and time again, even to the point of death on Calvary's cross. First um, John 3, 13. He says, all who live godly in this world in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He writes further to Timothy, do not marvel that the world hates you when you follow Jesus. Jesus said to expect this, that it was a part of our faith. It was a part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. 1 John 4. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no dark, darkness. It, as John writes about that in his gospel, he, he declares the fact that, that Jesus Christ came into the world and he was the light of the world. And when he came into the darkness, the light that he shed revealed that man was evil and lost and dying. He says, this was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as he received to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name. So here's what Jesus said. If, if, if you look in this passage where we are today, where he's in these beatitudes, the Beatitudes of Luke from his sermon there on the plain. Uh, he says, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, when revile you and cast your name as evil. Hatred. Darkness hates light. And when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about that in two Sundays from now, the light of your salvation should shine out of every part of your being so that the world knows that you're a Christian. So you don't even have to tell them. It just knows that you're different because you're a follower of Jesus. Now, I believe you should tell them, but it, it shines. And when the world sees that, it reveals the lostness and darkness of the world. And what unbelievers do is they turn against that light rather than repent and come out of the darkness. They would rather stay in the darkness because their deeds are evil rather than to repent of those deeds and come into the light. But Jesus calls us to repentance. I, I would tell, remind you that everywhere he went when people were brought to him who were taken in sin like the woman taken in adultery, he, he treated them with kindness. He offered them redemption. He offered them forgiveness. But he didn't send them away to repeat the, what was going on in their lives. He told them, go and sin no more. Repent and turn. But the world does not want to do that. <clears throat> and it hates the believer because our lives shine a light that reveals that lostness and that darkness. So you can expect that there will be those who hate you. That's just, it's not about being popular. 
you know, there are ways that you can be popular, but I can't think of any ways where you can deny Christ and live up to what He expects of you. So popularity should not be something that we really care about. As long as uh, Jesus loves me, it really doesn't matter. You know, uh, exclusion. Uh, If you look in the 12th chapter, Luke, uh, Jesus said, uh, when they exclude you in this beatitude, if you look in the 12th chapter, uh, the 51st and the 53rd verse, I I think that's, those are wrong numbers there. That's my fault. He says, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. Wow. Now that's a a hard statement. And that doesn't plug in with the, the, the prosperity gospel at all. Jesus said, I didn't come to make everything roses and light. I came and there's going to be division because I came. For from now on, five in one house will be divided three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and sin against father, mother against father and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Wow. Jesus said, I didn't come to make everything sunshine and light. It's going to cause division. It's going to cause problems. It's going to cause separation right in our own church. We had a lady a few years ago that came to the food pantry. She liked the food pantry. Uh, she, she liked it. Every time she was here, she asked people to pray. It got to the point where she came to the food pantry when she didn't even get food. She just wanted somebody to pray for her. She lived in this neighborhood. She started coming to Sunday night church. She was living with a man who was not her husband, and he didn't like her coming to Sunday night church. And she showed up one Monday at the food pantry, and it was obvious she had been beaten because she'd been here on Sunday night. She professed Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, and in this baptistry on a Sunday, or on a Monday morning, the food pantry came up and she was baptized here in this church. He stood over here on the corner, and did not come on our property because he knew we'd have him, I'd have him arrested, screamed obscenities and carried on and carried on and carried on. Make a long story short, we called her sister in Fort Wayne and she came and got her because she knew if she went home, what was going to happen. That's the division Jesus talked about. People who will not accept the change in others because it reveals the, the evil in them. Remember the story of David? I love the story of David. He went out to fight uh, the Philistine, remember? And he was there and his brother, he's throwing a fit. He said, you can't go out there. You're, you're, he, you're just a kid. Uh, you, you can't go out and, and, and fight that Philistine. You know what it boiled down to? He didn't want to go. He was a big chicken. He'd had the opportunity for several days. He could have went out and been a hero and fought him, but he wasn't going to do it. And then when David comes along and he wants to do it, it makes him look bad. So he's, he's downgrading David and said, don't you go out there. You're a stupid kid. That guy's going to make mincemeat out of you. That's the, that's the principle here. The world does not like when saved people because it reveals to them their lostness. And people would, uh, this is sad, many people would rather stay lost 
than admit that they're a sinner and admit that Jesus Christ died on the cross and admit that they need Him. They're so tied up in their self-sufficiency and pride. And, and so they exclude others who are followers of Jesus Christ. Revile, shock, mock, ridicule. He's, Jesus said that's a part of what you expect. They will revile you and, and cast out your name as evil. Cast out your name as evil. That's the devil's great lie. Do you understand? He calls good bad, and he calls bad good. And he's always operated the same exact way in the Garden of Eden. He accused God of being a liar. He told, he told Eve, oh, he, he's telling you not to eat of that tree because if you eat of that tree, you'll be just as powerful and as wonderful and great as God. Don't believe him. He, he accused Job of having a false devotion to God. He said he only loves you, God, because you bless him and give him things. And, 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 and so if you take away all this blessing, Job will curse your name. By the way, he, God took away everything and he let Satan take away everything and go, Job never cursed God. He accused Jesus of casting out demons uh, that he was of the devil. Matthew 12. Let's go there. Matthew 12. 22 to 28. There was one who was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. And Jesus healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. But Jesus, Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said... Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by by the devil, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast demons out by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Same old lie calling evil good. We, we, we had an opportunity to go up to see our grandson this week. Uh, we went up Friday and came back Saturday and uh, the motel we stayed had a morning paper and I picked that morning paper up and I couldn't believe the, the headline. Uh, well, I know, well, it, new abortion law may strain the foster system. Now think about that for a moment. The gist of this article is that if we do away with abortion, there's going to be a lot more kids in foster care. And they might get mistreated in foster care. So to protect them from being mistreated in foster care, we need to murder them when they're in the womb so they won't be born into this evil world and then go live in a home where they get abused. That makes no sense in any reasoning in the world. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. But that's the kind of lie that we're dealing with in our nation today that calls evil good and good evil. And we'll find ways to rationalize and justify man's evil deeds. 
And it, <clears throat> when, when you uh, do that, you're cast out and you're seen by the world as, as homophobic. You believe what the Bible says. Uh, you believe that you're born a man or a woman, and that's what God intended. And, and, and somehow that makes you degenerate. That makes you evil. It makes you narrow-minded. It makes you bigoted. You preach the truth in love and say that sin has eternal consequences. And that makes you hateful because you are trying to offer people the opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and live forever. And those are the lies in our day and age that the devil spreads and, 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 and <clears throat> casts out the name of the church of Jesus Christ, the followers of Jesus Christ, as evil. I've painted a pretty dark picture. So let's talk about how do you withstand persecution? The world's going to hate you. I'm sorry to say this morning. It's not, you know, I could tell you that everything's wonderful and you're going to be rich and there'll be 32,000 of you in the great auditorium all coming in here and just having a wonderful time. But that's not what the Scripture teaches us. But here's what it does teach us. It teaches us that in the midst of all this, we can trust our Heavenly Father. First Hebrews, or First Peter, there is no First Hebrew. First Peter, First Peter 2, 9 to 10. But you are a royal gener chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his mar marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Trust that God is a God of love and mercy and forgiveness. And he offers to all who will trust and believe in him eternal forgiveness. I would have, rather have God's forgiveness. I would rather have God's mercy. I would rather have God's blessing than anything the world has to offer. Man, you ought to be saying amen to that. Listen, you, in the midst of persecution, what you do is you trust the Heavenly Father. You believe in Him. You trust in the midst of it all, and you stand for Him. Uh, you, rest in, you rest in God's Word, 2 Timothy. Timothy was my grandmother's favorite character because her name was Eunice. And if you don't understand that, you need to read about Timothy, and you'll figure that out. Uh, I'm ahead of myself. Rest in God's Word, 2 Timothy 3, 13 to 17. Paul's writing to this great young preacher, and he is giving him advice, and he's telling him how to endure in a world that, that persecutes and hates. And, and, and he tells him to rest in God's Word. He says, but evil men and imposter will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood 
who have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, for righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to do every good work. He, he says to Timothy, listen, I'm, these are difficult times. False prophets are rising everywhere. Rest in God's Word. Trust in God's Word. Believe God's Word. Do I like everything that God's Word says? No. <laughs> because there's passages in God's words that drive me to my knees and make me embarrassed and ashamed because I'm not what I should be and could be in Christ Jesus. But thankfully, I'm not what I'm going to be. And, and, and we withstand persecution by trusting our Heavenly Father, by resting on His Word, and following Jesus' example. First uh, Peter. Peter wrote a lot about this. Uh, in First Peter uh, 2, 9 to 10. Peter writes this, but you are a chosen generation. I think I read this a minute ago. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. And, and, and he's, he's trying as he writes his epistle to speak to the people of God, to speak to this holy nation, to speak to these people who he calls the people of God. And he's trying to explain to them how to endure in the midst of the things that they're facing, how to stand in the midst of the winds of persecution and the winds of unrighteousness which are coming against them. And so he gives them great, great comfort. He tells them uh, to follow Christ's example in that t same chapter in the 21st, 22nd verses. For, to, for through this you were called because Christ also suffered for us. Leave us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in him, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, who when he suffered did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. He said, listen, he, he could have, hey, listen, he stood before that Jewish council, he, he didn't even have to say anything. He could have just looked at him and they'd all been dead. He hung on that cross and he could have killed 10,000 angels, but he didn't have to. He could have just said, I've had enough of this. I'm getting down and got down. And he faced all those things and, and, and all that persecution. Uh, and he gave us the example of how to deal with it. You don't return hate for hate. hate. You pray for those who despitefully use you. You pray for those who hate you. You pray for those who offend you, those who per persecute you. During uh, World War II, there was a German pastor, uh, Martin uh, Niemeller, and he refused to be quiet. And Niemeller was thrown in a Nazi concentration camp. And someone was speaking to his father, and they asked him, it's a terrible thing, isn't it, to have a son in a concentration camp? And the father replied, yes, it is a terrible thing to have a son in a concentration camp. But there would be something more terrible, and that is if God needed my son and he was unwilling to stand up for God. Follow the example of Christ Jesus. Love those that persecute you. That's not easy. Man, we want to hit them back, don't we? You know? But the Scripture tells us 
as we are salt and light in the world, and that's two Sundays from now, we try to tell the world, look, you can revile me all you want. You can call me all those names, but I still concern for your eternal soul. And I care about you. <coughs> and I want to see you. Peter goes on and he says uh, in the third chapter of the 13th and 14th verses, do not be afraid. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. Said Peter says, don't, don't be afraid. I used to be really active in Little League. And I had one night when I had a father who got very, very mad. Fighting mad. And he confronted me behind the dugouts. Now he was 6'4", a prison guard, a weightlifter, and used a lot of steroids. And he got right up, not in my face, because he'd had to kneel down, but he's looking down at me and he's, he's carrying on and he's going on and he's, he's uh, yelling and screaming. And I didn't yell back. And finally I said, are you done? And he said, I think so. Are you gonna do what I'm telling you you need to do? And I said, if you're done now, I'm gonna tell you. I'm not gonna do what you're telling me to do because it's not right and it's not within the rules of this league and, and I'm not gonna do it. And he said, well, you know I can whip you. And I said, well, yeah, you can whip me all you want. But, and you go ahead, if you wanna whip me, whip me. But you need to know two things. My God is bigger than this situation. And my lawyers are bigger than your lawyers. I don't know why I put that last part in. He w went away. I seen him about two months later at a community event for churches. I was surprised to see him. I went up like nothing happened. I said, hey, I'm surprised to see you here tonight. He said, well, I imagine you are. I said, well, I'm glad that you're here. He said, well, my wife and my son are in there. I said, yeah, I saw them. I wasn't surprised to see them. He said, well, then you're really going to be surprised to hear what I want to tell you. I said, what do you want to tell me? He said, I don't want to whip you. I want to hug you. I said, what? He said, I don't whip you. I want to hug you. He said, I'm so mad at you. He said, our preacher come by to talk to my wife about vacation Bible school. And he said, I went on and on and on about that. And he said, I told him what infuriated me most of all was you were not intimidated and you were not afraid and you just wouldn't give in to do what I want you to do. And he said, my pastor talked to me about why you weren't afraid. And he talked to me about why you wouldn't do what you wouldn't do because it wasn't right. And he said, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ Amen. as my Lord and Savior. 
Now, what I'm telling you is this. You can stand and argue with the world all you want. But it doesn't do any good. But if you love the lost, if you pray for those who despitefully use you, if you follow the teachings of Jesus and the actions of Jesus and follow His example, and do not fear, good things happen. You might never see the results, but there are results. Do not be ashamed. Glorify God. Second Peter 14 to 16. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to those things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking to them in those things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do not rest on the Scriptures." He says, listen, you, you, you preach the Scripture, you tell the Scripture, you live the Scripture, you believe the Scripture, and don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Never be ashamed to be a blood-bought, redeemed, born-again child of God. Be consistent. Live the faith. Pray. Endure. And bring God glory. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the promises that Jesus gives to us. He tells us here a blessing that comes that we really don't want Nobody wants to be persecuted, but it comes. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the fact, did you realize there's seven great I am statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Uh, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But there are 30 I will statements that are promises that he gives us. And so I don't want to leave, leave you on a dark alley today. I want you to understand that this persecution we've been talking about is real and it will come. And Jesus has said we need to endure in the midst of it and we will be blessed. But he also gave us great promises that go along with that. And next week we'll talk about them. But for now, it is enough to understand that the battle is real. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. You cannot see it like we see the world in Ukraine, but it is far more dramatic and far more terrible than anything that's going on at the hands of man in the world because Satan is behind it. And Jesus said that we should expect it, uh, that as long as we're in a lost and dying world, the world right up to the end when Jesus comes will hate those who stand and believe and trust in him. And it will cause exclusion. You won't be welcome everywhere. It will cause division, even in families. It will cause us to be called all types of intolerant, Names. It is always it, 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 amazing to me that the people who are calling everybody 
who is a Christian intolerant are the most intolerant people in the world. They can't tolerate the fact that we live different, that we believe in God, that we love the Lord, that we follow a higher moral standard. Uh, and be prepared to be accused of all kinds of evil. But in the midst of that, trust the Heavenly Father. Follow Christ's example. Rest in God's Word. Do not be afraid nor ashamed, but glorify God. Our Heavenly Father, this has been not the best news in the world. These are the kind of sermons you would have us preach that are hard, but they're true. We understand that you have told us that once we are saved, this world is a difficult and hard place for us to live and put our trust and our hope in Christ Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.